0: Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome back to the Bundesliga show. Uh, yeah, uh, we're back for another match day review uh, for match day nine. Um, yeah, obviously. Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar um, and, of course, oh, as always, uh, this season in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes. Um, so, Bundesliga Boxes, if you haven't amazingly heard of them, they're a brilliant uh, company that provides you with uh, mystery, authentic German T-shirts. Um, we're really pleased to be in partnership with them uh, this season. They've been brilliant. We've got, me and Mark have already got a load of uh, T-shirts and we're looking forward the next batch coming out um, in in due course, so hopefully you uh, will get our hands on on that one just before Christmas as well. So yeah, go over and follow them on Twitter, and of course go buy some lovely shirts for yourselves. Uh, right. Um, as, as per usual we, you know we're streaming live on YouTube but uh, as an addition um, tonight hopefully if things have all gone to plan <laughs> yeah. we're, uh, we'll be streaming live <laughs> on Twitter as well um, hopefully uh, hopefully that's the case and a couple of people will uh, will stumble across it on Twitter as well so uh, hope hope you're all well and hope you' all enjoy the show so without uh, much further delay and enough chat from me go over to you mark and let's have some scores on the doors from this week.
1: Yeah, so let's start off obviously by recapping the scores for week nine. So, as you can see on the bottom of your screen, we started off on Friday night, didn't we? We started off with a 4 1 win for Mainz at home against beleaguered Augsburg. Moving on to Saturday, we had a 3 1 win for Dortmund in Bielefeld. Bayern Munich with another big win, 4 0 over Hoffenheim. Yeah, then obviously, RB Leipzig getting a very comfortable 4 1 win over Furt. Yeah, Freiburg winning again, still the only unbeaten team in the Bundesliga with a really impressive 2-0 win away in Wolfsburg. Yeah, Hertha Berlin with a second win in a row, excellent win, 1-0 over Gladbach at home. Then moving on to Sunday in the Rhine derby, we had, we had a 2 all draw between FC Köln and uh, Leverkusen. Moving on to the the next game, yeah, we had uh, Stuttgart drawing 1-0 with Union. Actually, a last kick of the game, equaliser for Stuttgart in that game. Heartbreaking for Union. So that that was my team against Rory's team as well. So I was a little bit (laughs) gutted about that one, you know. Obviously, I'm sporting the FC Nuremberg scarf. That's a team in my heart. But my Bundesliga loyalty is mostly with Union these days, really. And then, obviously, Bolken with a really impressive 2-0 win over aside of only one game all season frankfurt Mm -hmm. okay so yeah where better place to start than the otb's featured four so yeah this is obviously for the the new guys that are watching this is where we kind of like uh check out the four best games of the weekend and obviously starting last week we had the new system didn't we where we kind of count down the top four and then we kind of go on to the talking point so remember that We'll be following the same system again this week. So where better place to start than the Rhine derby as our fourth best game of the week? I mean, it was a cracking game to watch really, wasn't it? I think I I predicted uh, Köln would actually win this game. I think, Rory, you went for a Leverkusen comfortable win, didn't you, in this one? Mm, Obviously, Leverkusen coming into the game on the back of that 5-1 hammering against uh, Bayern Munich. And yeah, obviously, Cologne coming into this one on the back of a 5-0 hammering by Hoffenheim. So it was quite an interesting game, the subplot. Obviously, big rivals. I mean, the game started off in brilliant fashion for the away side, didn't it? I mean, Moussa Diaby, that man again, like going on one of his brilliant runs, threading a beautiful pass-through to the on-form Patrick Schick who just kind of comfortably eased them 1-0 ahead. Then, as we often see with Leverkusen, you know, they, they back up goals very often, don't they, with a, a quick-fire double. And we saw that again in this game. I mean, obviously, Cologne were n- unable to clear when they probably they had a couple of good chances to clear, really, that one, didn't they? The ball kind of rather fortuitously fell to... Karen Bellarabi, who had a quite a bad tempered afternoon, actually he was obviously enjoying the Derby Day really over in Cologne. He kind of comfortably side-footed past Timo Horn, who did actually manage to get a strong foot on him. Just a few minutes after that, again, they had a four against two break as well, Leverkusen. Jeremy Frimpong, the on-form uh, fullback for Leverkusen, strode forward, it looked like he was going to make it 3-0, but he smashed the aluminium, as they call it here in Germany, smashing the bar which was pretty unlucky, really, not to make it 3-0. But then, Rory, second half, different game, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, Col obviously thought that his best, you know, best form of defence is attack. So they came out much more attacking in the second half, um, which, you know, you probably would have thought that it might have actually still favoured Leverkusen because they could still counter on them. They did, did still create chances. I think uh, Schick and Wurz both had a couple of chances maybe to make it 3 um, but yeah, I think um, probably the turning point of the game was maybe that fring pong uh, chance because obviously he mm. broke and he had uh, a couple of options inside of him as well and chose to shoot and and obviously hit the bar, hit the aluminium. I've never heard of that actually. Uh, it's so, what they you know, call
1: that's... it in Germany. Yeah, it's quite a good uh, good expression, really. Isn't I it? Like <laughs> that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, so that could have been a turning point in the game and and obviously as the game went on, um, Cole, you know, pressing forward and it it kind of took a bit of magic from you know captain fantastic hector with a with a really nice um cross to the back post it was like uh, really well floated uh, although you have to say it's probably a mistake from jonathan Tarr who miss uh misreads the flight of the ball, falls to Modesto who controls it perfectly uh, and obviously uh, slots home really well um, at an angle. So that was uh, 2-1 and they're back in the game. So that's great for them. And then, um, yeah, the pressure told. They'll say on derby day, you know, they were being urged forward by their fans. And uh, it's basically return of the long throw-in. Um, so obviously <laughs> a long throw into the box, obviously into the mixer. Anderson does well to get a flick on. And, and there's Modest you know, using his, uh, his power and his height to uh to nod home i think that was his 50th uh bundesliga goal uh so yeah well done well done to him he's come back into the bundesliga and into the team and done really well actually you know he's offered them something uh completely different with the addition of Mark Hut as well or re addition. obviously he's had spent time in the club before um so yeah obviously a welcome return for him um and yeah obviously a point point shared will Will look more favorably. Um, obviously for for Cologne, who, you know, uh managed to avoid defeat. Uh, obviously, we we're kind of talking about it. You were saying that you were a little bit worried about their current runner form, Mark, yourself, weren't you? Um yeah. Yeah. so yeah, it's important that they got back into, into the game and didn't let Derby Day get the better of them. Um so yeah, good good point there for Cole. Um and obviously Leverkusen will feel like his points drops given the start they made, 2 nil up early doors, in control, should have maybe got that third goal and killed it, but uh, a good response, obviously, to the hammering uh, from Bayern, obviously, the week before, at least they didn't lose, um, but now they're starting to lose a bit of ground on the uh, on the chasing pack, um, but yeah, very entertaining game.
1: Yeah, I think, obviously, this game, it kind of quite often really sums up the, the two teams at times. I mean, Leverkusen and it's been the, the big criticism for years, really, hasn't it? Their game management at times, you know. And the way they start this game, that is absolutely blitzing uh, Cone, really. Do you know what I mean? Like, they can't get near the ball. I mean, they get two goals early on. They're clearly missing Shkiri as well. I think, obviously, um, I think uh, Runa mentioned that as well. Actually, They really missed him in the last game. And early doors, like, they were breaking through them so easily. And that defence looked so exposed by the midfield, didn't it? And like i mean if they get that third goal it's game over for me Do you know what i mean it was a four against two break as you say they had so many options with what to do there you know i mean he he can either take the shot which he did probably should still have been scoring really from there you know and then he could have played it into any of those men in the box really had options and you know at the time you're thinking okay they're still going to win the game because it was so heavily on top but very often that happens with Leverkusen you know where when a team get that one goal back you're just waiting for that uh, onion bag to be going again and they've blown the lead do you know what I mean and it was just mm. they've got to be winning that game for me Labour Leverkusen and now it's two games without a win and you know it's not looking all so rosy you now certain first Sione's men but they're still playing well enough, you know. It's just all those same problems with a defence at times, isn't it, for them? But I guess both teams will be relatively happy with it. Certainly, Colonel will be very, very happy. Stefan Baumgart will be delighted that they managed to steal a point from that game, especially after the way the first 20, 30 minutes went. Okay, so m- moving on. Uh, yeah, another two teams with contrasting fashions this season. I mean, obviously, Mainz, the really, really strong home side nowadays, aren't they? They did come into this game actually on the back of a three-match losing run, which might surprise a few people. But we we did say there was nothing really wrong with performances, whether it was just a Mm. case of like results going against them and, you know, uh, wonder strikes and things like that going against them. But, yeah, I mean, they, they went through and won this game very, very comfortably. Again, it was another game where... They pretty much had the game won after 26 minutes didn't they i mean the first goal through uh on a sea wall who at times his finishing isn't the best really is it let's be honest but yeah. he would have been happy to get this goal in this one horrendous defending from gumney at the back as well like i mean vidmar just kind of puts uh i mean it's a decent ball in isn't it but he has to be clearing that away and he just kind of scuffs the clearance straight through to Siwa, who just kind of takes a touch and smashes it past the keeper. Then, you know, just, just a few minutes later, Johnny, Johnny Burka, who was absolutely brilliant in this mm-hmm. game, again, recommended by Runa, you know. He knows yeah, his yeah. stuff, that's for sure, yeah. He did tell you to put him in the, the fancy football team, and it proved to be a correct decision because he played a really, really nice ball through to Stefan Bell, who just kind of comfortably side-footed past um, yeah, the actually furious uh, Geekovic, G- G- he was fuming in this game. Like, he gave an interview after the match, the goalkeeper for Augsburg. He was absolutely livid after this one. He, he came out and he said in Germany, he said the-, the performance is just not acceptable and that uh, it-, it was nowhere near the levels that they set against Dortmund and Bielefeld in the two games before. And I think he was right, to be honest with you, because obviously just a few minutes after that, on his well, this time turned provider, and, yeah, just a, a kind of tight header, really, just before he hits the post from Johnny Burke to make it 3-0. Game over after 26 minutes, Rory. And it's back to the drawing board, really, for uh, Augsburg for the second half, wasn't it, really?
0: Yeah, we, very much. We kind of, when we're talking about Augsburg on the show, we, we often kind of go from one extreme where there's obviously lots of mistakes and defensively they're all over the place, you know, kind of circa what Iago did, you know, near the start of the season where there's just crazy own goals or terrible challenges or just things like that that just get them off to a terrible start and then obviously you kind of contrast that sometimes with a really good away performance where they do well and get a clean sheet and they look sort of like more settled with you know Golilu and uh oxford and who kai as well sometimes at the back if they've got a strong back three sometimes it, it's all right but yeah obviously you know gubni set um set the precedent for them from the off, you know, messing up that clearance, got beat in the air by Burkhart for the for the third goal. Um so yeah, uh, mine's you know me- took full advantage of that and I thought they were really strong throughout. Um uh, as you mentioned Burkhart was fantastic in front of the of the watching um Hansi Flick uh, obviously mm. with regards to the national team he's done himself a load of goods there obviously as you mentioned got the assist for bells going and, and then finished things off really nicely in the second half with a with the fourth goal which is obviously that came minutes after Alsburg thought they might have um, worked themselves back into it actually with a with the nice bit of play um from andre Hahn, i think he was putting in a first-time ball for Zakiri to to kind of poke home with the outside of his toe or foot uh, to make it 3-1. You're thinking, you know, 20 minutes to go, you can still have another, you know, have a crack at this. Uh, As much as Alsburg haven't scored a lot of goals and it's not Hmm. their speciality, they could at least use the momentum to push them forward in this game. But yeah, it didn't happen, did it? Seconds later, Onisiwo is breaking forward down the left, using his strength uh, as as a big man that he is. uh, And and obviously becomes provider yet again for for Burkhart, who curls in perfectly to completely finish the game and a great night for Mines. Um, yeah, as we mentioned before, they've been on a bit of a, a rotten run in terms of results, but I thought the performances weren't far away. Uh, and, yeah, this was the perfect perfect way to get them, you know, back going at home to a struggling Augsburg who would really, you know, struggle maybe to uh, have a go at their defence. Um, You know, Friday night under the lights, good atmosphere. Uh, I think it was all set up to be a strong, strong win for minds and it proved to be so um but kind of front free if you look at it with Onsewo and then maybe Lee as an attacking midfielder mm. or something like that obviously you didn't get the the headlines for you know assists or goals but I thought they worked well together um so that was a strong foundation for them going forward and they'll uh, they'll always struggle teams uh if they play like that so yeah thoroughly uh, thoroughly enjoyable win for minds alsburg um of course have got a lot of work to do. Um, really, really, really kind of worrying for them now, particularly obviously after the Balkan result. Um, I can't can't see where wins coming from them. But we've always said again on the show that they're the specialists of getting a win when they really desperately need one. Um, but right now, I just can't see that there's, they're lacking depth. Uh, and you know, when someone like Need Elector, is either hit and miss and he was injured anyway, um, I, I just really can't see where the goal is coming from and enough of them to survive this year.
1: Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised as well about the team lineup at times of uh, obviously Vine Seal, the new Augsburg coach. I mean, I look at that front line, I mean, obviously we see Sergio Cordova, he didn't really do himself much glory at, uh, I think he was on loan at Bielefeld last year, he looked looked like he couldn't hit a barn door with a proverbial banjo, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and to be honest, he's been pretty much the same since he's come back to Augsburg, really, just doesn't look the grade, really, for Bundesliga, Andre Hahn, you know, I mean, he's a decent, as a wide player, but he doesn't really get the goals, as you know, supplied a pretty good cross for the assist, I'm a little bit surprised that Zakiri didn't start, because when he Came on, you know. I mean, yeah, he gets the goal, and I mean, obviously, they're the massively missing dorsh as well. You know, he is their best player, and he's been out for the last four or five games now. Mm-hmm. Until they get him back in that midfield, like they're gonna go down, basically. You know, I, I don't know exactly how long he's out for, to be honest. Do you happen to know no. that, Rory? But
0: no, I don't I mean, no. know, you,
1: you know, because they look. This is a team that like just isn't that good really on paper or on, on performance at the end of the day i mean obviously they lost richter in the summer he was probably their best player in all honesty and mm-hmm. niederlegner's form has been poor this season back and large you know he looks a shadow on the player he was a couple years ago fargas is having a stinker of a season as well mm-hmm. So it yeah. looks like he's trying too hard, Ruben Vargas. That's the problem. And that can often happen to a player that's quite skillful and he knows he's playing in a pretty poor team, in truth. Do you know what I mean? And he looks a frustrated man out there and, you know... It, they look to me they look like a relegated side at the minute obviously there's still a long long way to go and actually as things happen they're not actually in the bottom uh they're not even in the bottom two so it's far from being a complete catastrophe but yeah to me they look poor side really in all honesty and quite significant Bielefeld who are actually below them at the minute but Bielefeld just can't catch a break at the minute which we'll talk about a little bit later but for me, yeah, Augsburg have got big work to do. They need the best players, but they need to get the right uh, team lineup again. Framberg is another one that hasn't been starting this season. Surprises me. Yeah, Iago hasn't had a good season, but keeps getting picked every week. It's just yep. you know, it's just not working out for them this year, is it? But. Have to see what they can do because vinzel is actually quite highly rated actually as a manager mm-hmm. was seen as quite a coup to get him back for his second spell so we'll have to see what they can do but big big improvements really needed as rory said when the bad the terrible aren't they and this was one of those bad performances yep. really from augsburg you know okay moving on so yeah let's have a look at the the leaders and probably one of the best teams in Europe as well, let's be honest. I mean, before the game, we were talking about Hoffenheim, could they back up that great performance against Cologne two Fridays ago? You know, obviously Bayern without Hausenhutl, who not sorry, not Hausenhutl and Nagelsmann. Yeah, I always get them two mixed up, the names, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, um, who actually contracted a uh, COVID, obviously led mm. by the what they're calling now the Top Muller Trio. Who is like the uh, the kind of three assistants to Nagel's man that joined him from Leipzig? Like, they, they also manned them for the 4 0 win in Benfica in midweek as well. And they backed it up with another impressive 4 0 win. I mean, the game itself was pretty much a procession, let's be honest, for the Bayern. I mean, they had an early goal disallowed through Serge Gnabry, who's coming back into form, by the way. Yep. I mean, it was probably the right decision, really, for the Musiala foul on Grillich. At first, I thought it looked a little bit soft, but when you looked again, yeah, you thought, yeah, it's definitely a foul, really. But it didn't. It only took another eight minutes after that for this time, Musiala to supply Gnabry on the far right-hand side to kind of slide it underneath. Baumann for 1-0 then yeah great kind of chasing work from mula really won it on the break for the second goal He's running away, and then he kind of supplies Lewandowski to just curl. He doesn't get that many goals from far out, does he? But he proves that he can get all kinds of goals. He curls an absolute beauty past uh, Bauman Baumann. I mean, only half an hour gone, you're already thinking it's a long way back. Probably another interesting moment that happened in that first half as well is that Akpugoma went off actually after being booted, having the ball booted into his face by Stefan Posch. Yeah mm-hmm. I think you I presume it was precaution for potential concussion really that yeah. withdrew him and they actually took off him as obviously as a, a defender for um, a striker actually they actually put Jorginho Ruter on so it proves that, obviously Sebastian Hernandez he fancies his side mm-hmm. but it probably proved to be the wrong decision I would say Rory really overall
0: yeah, I think um, once obviously Bayern got into a controlled position of two nil, um, I think it's fair to say that their intensity slipped a little bit. Which, you know, which obviously is completely normal. Um, I think they were effectively saving legs, I guess, um, and, and their and their level drops for for a good while. And in and in the second half, it looked like um, Ho- Hoffenheim might find a breakthrough. Um, I think there was potentially. Well, I mean, Babu had a chance, uh, which he volleyed wide. I think Ruta also um, got on the end of the Scoff uh, pass, but um, wasn't able to make the most of it. Um, and Scoff was almost actually inadvertently set up by Pavard, I think it was, but they were able to clear it. Um, and yeah, and the game kind of drifted from there on in. Um, without it, you know, there's. Was- few half chances at both ends until late on where you know a buying corner's you know poorly cleared by kramer uh crammerich of all people where he smashes it into his own uh not his own player into Upe, Meccano I think actually and it bounces for Wonder sub super sub Chupo Motting who you know <laughs> takes his <laughs> takes his chance yeah to be fair he takes his chance every time he comes he on does, like, yeah. um so you know need um, to
1: sign him I think <laughs> well
0: let's not get onto that I might scare people <laughs> off um so yeah, he, he puts his um you know stamp on the game and finishes it as a contest 3-0 late on, and uh and obviously uh Kingsley Coman had to have a say as well in the end of the late goal after being played through really nicely by the ever-improving and vastly improving Up Mekano. His pass through through the lines was you know really good in behind um Hoffenheim and Coman did the rest for 4-0. So yeah, comfortable win for uh, the relentless, the you know, almighty buy-in. Um, yeah, I was expecting Hoffenheim to maybe grab a goal or two in in this one and, and try and back up how they had, you know, certainly been playing as you mentioned two Fridays ago. Uh, but it just it just wasn't to be for them. I think for Hoffenheim, you know, you try and swipe this one under the carpet and try and, and not to let your affect your confidence too much um you know they'll they'll trouble teams going forward of course all, all, all week in week out and they'll play against uh, a lot less ruthless team shall we say in terms of attacking so uh yeah it, it, it was always going to be hard regardless of their you know their form coming into this um so yeah they'll be disappointed by and look obviously uh imperious right now um as i mentioned coman had, had been injured i think for a little while there's just that he's being eased back into it he gets a goal um yeah, as I mentioned, Nabry uh, has been really good and you know, the two obvious ones in Lewandowski and, and Muller up front doing doing what they always do. Um so yeah, they look really good. Um even without Nagelsmann's influence on the sideline, I thought that was quite interesting actually. Um so yeah, they've done um a real job without him and just show that they're all leaders and they've got leaders in, in abundance as you as everyone knows. Um, that's throughout the team, not just in terms of attacking. Um, and they'll be really pleased to keep another clean sheet. So, yeah, great weekend for the champions. Offenheim, rest up and go again.
1: Yeah, I think obviously it was a case of a difficult time to go to uh, Bayern as well for because obviously they had actually increased the the potential capacity as well in Munich this weekend and 60,000 were there. I think like two thirds of the capacity or 75% of the capacity. So the fans were very much in buoyant mood. Probably, I mean, obviously we've seen the earlier matches in the season. It's looked pretty sparsely populated, the Allianz, because obviously the restriction, we still see restrictions all over the, the Bundesliga, but it was great to see this weekend you did see a lot more full stadiums in you i mean the cologne Leverkusen and derby was a complete sellout i think they finally in the cologne region they have actually completely removed the restrictions now which mm-hmm. is great quite ironic, really, though considering that the cases in germany are starting to rise again now which seems right. a little bit odd in some ways really doesn't it the fact that like earlier on in the season there were almost no cases and there were massive restrictions and now mm-hmm. the cases are going up They've all of a sudden said, okay, no restrictions anymore. But, yeah, Yeah. it is what it is. You know, COVID times, anything's possible, I guess. But, yeah, great result for Bayern. Great performance. Well, probably not a great performance, but they did more than enough. Hoffenheim weren't really at the races. But, again, difficult challenge to go to the Allianz, isn't it? And then they'll have much more winnable games in the coming weeks to come. Okay, so let's move on to our game of the week. What is it going to be? It was it was actually a really, really entertaining game. This one, Bielefeld versus Dortmund, which obviously ended up in a 3-1 win for the away side. I mean, if you look at this one on paper, you know, you think Dortmund 3-1 away winner, Bielefeld, but the, the game was anything but the easy for Dortmund, really. Let's be honest. I mean, that that first half, I mean, how many chances did Bielefeld need to score? Like the first big chance falls to Robert Robin Hack. I mean, I've been really impressed with him performance-wise. He does really well to shake off the defender, but, you know, the finish is not quite there with him at times. A, it was a problem at Nuremberg as well, I can tell you. He did all the play great, but his finishing wasn't always there. Kind of fires straight at Kobo, really, does not he, when... Any an inch to either side, and it's probably a goal really from that position. Then it's that man, uh, Yanni Serra, you know, the guy signed from uh Holstein Kiel after a great season last year. You know, mm-hmm. they've really plucked this fighter Bundesliga this year, uh, haven't they? Uh, Bielefeld, but I mean, he runs through, but he just never looks comfortable at all, does he? I mean, he's yeah. like he's kind of falling over it, stumbling. He does manage to get a shot up, but it's kind of blocked by. A mixture of the defender and Colbell, really, and, and it's relatively easily uh, cleared. They have another couple of half chances as well, Bielefeld, but then it's uh, the kind of big talking point, really, is the penalty, isn't it? I mean, Marlon has a good run into the penalty area. is stopped by the defender, but then it falls to Bellingham. Who kind of like cuts in and to me it looks as though it's pretty clear that he's taken out but uh mm. bielefeld coach frank Kramer was absolutely livid about that one you know but to me do, do you think he has a right to be livid about that or is it a stone wall of that one rory
0: uh, from from what i've seen um on the extended highlights that it looks it looks about clear as day um for me he effectively fouls both players um i reckon yeah. so yeah uh, unfortunately, yeah, I think it's, it's quite clearly a yeah.
1: pen. Yeah, then obviously, Emre Chan uh, comfortably rolls home the penalty. Obviously, the big news as well, we didn't mention this, was the fact that Haaland is injured until December as well. Mm. So, obviously, I mean, Bielefeld would have fancied the chances before the game, but perhaps, well, I would say definitely unf- uh, unluckily find themselves a goal down. Uh, to Chan's penalty probably should have, a, have had at least one goal before that fell, but then a few minutes after that it's that man Mats Hummels that the balls just kind of bouncing around really isn't it but Hummels you know we know he likes a goal don't we but he kind of hits it on like it's falling from the air he hits it on the volley and smash right past the goalkeeper great goal really from Hummels
0: and then at that point at 2-0 at
1: half time it looks like it's game over really doesn't it Rory
0: yeah, it does. And as you mentioned, it was quite unlucky, really. Um, it obviously, it can happen when the big teams just, you know, they they thrive on moments, uh, on fewer chances, and, you know, they're more clinical. And generally speaking, that's why they're further up to the top of the league and, and Bielefeld aren't. Um, so, yeah, 2-0 at half time. Um, Unfortunately, uh, I mean, the Humboldt strike was, yeah, it was certainly something else. But, Bielefeld, yeah, they came out again, really strong in their approach, much like they were in the first half, very strong into the tackle. It's it's a a tactic that we've seen replicated against Dortmund quite a few times. Um, Hoffenheim did it, for example, um, early on this season as well. Um, So, they, yeah, they were right in the game uh, and they're almost level, uh, sorry, not level, they're almost back in the game very early on from a corner. Uh, which is narrowly headed wide um obviously one thing to note especially in the second half is that Cobal went off and, and Marvin Hits was in net yeah. um uh, so that's obviously a big change um that happened um so yes yeah, so there's a chance from a corner then Wimmer uh also had his chance where he, he um kind of got a shot off and it was a good reflex save actually by Hits in the end um and yeah, and then the, unfortunately the story of, of, you know, the game was Dortmund being more clinical. And, and as a result, uh, we're going to mention an English player, uh, obviously on this English-speaking channel. Uh, uh, obviously the amazing Jude Bellingham, who uh, gets, gets the ball from a recycled cross on the edge of the area, faced up with at least two, two defenders in his way, mazes his way through brilliantly by faking shots, uh, you know, left and right. Uh, gets through, uh, still got a narrow angle where he's one on one with the keeper, Ortega, and he manages to chip it over him. And it has enough power on it just to, to go across the, the goal line before it is kind of cleared off the line. But it had gone beyond the, the line fully. So that's 3 nil, And yeah, that's just a magical moment. So effectively, two two wonder strikes and one mistake means you're 3-0 down and, you know, you're, you're playing well, you feel frustrated, don't you? Uh, so I feel for Bielefeld in that regard. Um, certainly, um, you know, hosting Dortmund or any team like that, when you play to a good level uh, in, a, in a strong way and, you know, you just lo- lose the game on moments, it can happen, of course. Um, they they get a deserved goal in the end, though, as Hummels fouled Wimmer in the box and, and Fabian Close gets his uh, uh, his penalty, which he tucks away. Uh, for 3-1. But yeah, ultimately, playing, playing nicely and, and losing is still, you know, frustrating as it gets. Not that Bielefeld would have probably targeted this as a game that they were, you know, 1,000% had to win. You know, Dortmund away doesn't always strike you as a... Well, sorry, Dortmund coming to you, not being away from home. Um, is You know, it's not going to be a game that you think you have to win. So they'll move on to games where they need to target. Um, but, of course, scoring goals is the big thing. Um, you know, their their level um, with Augsburg uh, in terms of how many goals they've scored, which is five. So that's the joint lowest in the league course that's from nine games so you're almost averaging half a goal a game you know sort of um strike rate which yeah it is not good enough if you want to stay in the league um so right now yeah they're struggling uh, as much as the bottom three uh, stands right now so um i think that's only a fair reflection on the league um but yeah this it's a weird one because their performances haven't been terrible uh we've mentioned they've got quite a lot of draws um but, yeah, that, that elusive win really is starting to affect them now and they need to get it ASAP, um, basically. But Dortmund did well uh, in the end uh, with a depleted team. You know, no Haaland, but there's a lot of other players, regular players, Dahoud, Rainer, um, a couple of others as well were missing. Um, so they're settling in uh, and trying to do the, the chase work behind Bayern, but it's, uh, you know, it's hard work for them because it's relentless. Um, but, yeah, good win for them in a very entertaining game.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, the challenge for Dortmund in the next uh, few weeks, really, is going to be to how they can get the goals without uh, Haaland. I mean, for me, it's not really so much like getting goals. I still think they will get goals without uh, Haaland because mm. that's just what Dortmund do. Don't they only score bags of goals wherever they go, really. But, I mean, it's those big moments, really, isn't it, the Haaland? that Haaland, that level of player, they come good in the big moments, you know. So when when you are behind away from home, you know, that's when the likes of Haaland step up, Do you know what I mean? And, like, obviously, in the end, it was a comfortable win in Bielefeld. But I've, I've got to say, I thought Bielefeld's performance was really good overall, though. I mean, it's just the one of those sides that is not getting the rub of the green at times. I mean, I know there's the famous proverb, like, you make your own look. But at the minute, Bielefeld is not quite getting the rub of the green, you know I mean? Um, Colbell had a really, really good first half in this game. Let's be honest, you know, and he is actually Colbell is becoming a good goalkeeper actually for Dortmund. I've got to say, he looks pretty. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't keep many clean sheets. In fact, he's not kept any clean sheets in the league so far. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, I've been impressed with him, and I think he's definitely a step up from what we saw last year from Burki and Hits. But yeah, as for Bielefeld, they did have those chances, you know, but they're just not taking them at the minute. But as Rory said, nine games now without a win, one of only two winless sides in the Bundesliga, which is obviously the other side is beleaguered Furt, who, let's be honest, look as good as relegated already after nine games, really. But I guess that's a benefit for sides like Bielefeld, because they know there probably will only be one automatic spot that they're playing for. Yeah this year but now put back-to-back wins together i mean that's really shocked a lot of people you know i mean it's going to make the likes of augsburg and Bielefeld very very worried now you know because if if Bulk and keep kind of grinding out those wins you know being hard to break down then you know they could go clear eventually this year so yeah we'll have to see bielefeld they need a win and very very fast so otherwise it's going to be a long long season for the the northern team Okay, so yeah, that, that uh, concludes our feature four. So obviously nowadays we don't go over the other five games. We just kind of go straight on to our Bundesliga boxes talking point of the week. So obviously, as some of you may or may not have seen, there was a big, the first sacking of the Bundesliga this season. And it was indeed, it was that man, uh, Mark Van Bommel of Wolfsburg. Obviously, Wolfsburg turned over for the fourth game in a row this weekend against, uh, at home against high-flying and unbeaten Freiburg. But, yeah, I mean, we're just going to be discussing was Van Bommel ever really right for Wolfsburg? Because obviously it was a very, very short reign, lasted only uh, 13 games overall. I mean, probably the first big talking point, Rory, was the fact that, like, in his first ever game, was a disqualification from the uh, the Pokal, you know, a tournament that Wolfsburg would probably have targeted winning this season, really. So, I mean, would you say that was a sign that it was just doomed to
0: begin with, really, Rory? Um, so, yeah, there's obviously been a lot of conjecture about his, his tenure at the club and, and whether he was ever a good fit for Wolfsburg and, and whether they were always happy with it. But, yeah, I think you quite rightly say from the off that that um, admin error, if you want to call it. Uh, obviously, so they're playing a fourth division side, I think it was, in the Pokal first round. Um, and, you know, the, obviously the worst part about it is that they, they get taken to extra time. <laughs> um, and so he, um, he the sub, the, um, sorry, the coaches, they make a sixth uh, substitution, which obviously wasn't allowed um, by the by the rules of the Pocal. Um, he does it and they win the game, I think 1-0 in the end. Um, but obviously, quite rightly, they're then expelled from the competition because they've made this administration error and made too many subs, which goes against competition rules. And yeah, and they're out. So they're out of the Pocal in round one, which, uh, I mean... The Pocao is obviously known, famous for for their shock results, but you know that that's a really poor start, isn't it? Um, not a way to in, you know endear yourself to the fans or even you know the, the the sporting director and the people immediately above you. So that yeah, that was a really poor start. Um, so yeah, I mean obviously after that, in terms of the league, they kind of got off to a good, well, they got off to a good start, didn't they? They did what they needed to do. They beat teams round uh, well teams that they needed to and that you'd expect. Bulkham and Fertz were two of them. I think they beat RB Leipzig, to be fair to them. That was a good result for, for Van Bommel. But yeah, and it, they were played in a similar way to probably how they played under Glasner last year, I guess. Um, it was, you know, methodical and they, you know, they didn't get forward in huge numbers. They didn't score loads of goals. Um, Weghorst, uh had continued his good form and was doing quite well for them still. Um but ultimately, after that, they started to struggle a little bit. Um, there was always a bit of um, rumour about his relationship with the sporting director. Uh, I won't insult the sporting director by trying to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> so all you need to know is that they had a bad relationship, I think. Um, and um, so, yeah, it kind of went on and they weren't ever, you know, they weren't scoring enough goals for me. Um uh, obviously one thing that fans would have been aware of in Van Bommel's short time as a as a head coach or as a manager, he he well obviously had this major spell at PSV. Uh didn't actually win a trophy there, um, obviously in his time with the club. So and then he comes to a team that has just achieved top four um for the first time in a long while. And, you know, they they didn't lose any players, so he's starting from a strong point there. They managed to invest in a few good players as well, uh making uh, Maximilian Philipp, um permanent signing, bringing in the Nemecha brothers. Um, so there certainly was investment as well. Um, so you know that that was kind of against him as well. So I think there was a lot of it. Um, so that was kind of the yeah, as you mentioned, the start uh, almost an early nail in the coffin from from the first game in the Po-Cal, um and the relationship was sour. Um, but all kind of. Redirect the question onto you, Mark, which may be the, the particularly the way that they played in what looked like a very open and presenting Champions League group. Um, because obviously, they let's face it, they got hammered against Lille in their first game, which they somehow managed to scrape a draw. Um, and then obviously, most recently, which is probably almost the very, very final nail in the coffins when they basically got absolutely you know thrashed by rb Salzburg, which i'm led to lose the first time they've ever lost to an austrian team um so again embarrassment from that stretch uh their squad that is built up is you know far greater in terms of worth um than rb Salzburg's, um and you know they were played off the park they were fortunate to only lose three one um so with that with that being said and obviously the poor runner form then they which followed in the in the obviously in the league mark, I think that's what, you know, pushed it over the edge, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, for
1: me, it wasn't just the results. I mean, obviously, they did go eight games, incredibly. After that brilliant run of four games in a row, that then they obviously, the, four, the first four games under Van Bommel in the league, they won. Then, obviously, they drew at home against Frankfurt in a game they probably should have won as well. But then it was after then, really, that it really went sour, wasn't it? I mean, obviously, they did manage to get a draw at home to Sevilla, which they were a little bit unlucky not to win that one, let's be honest. I think a few refereeing decisions went against them. But for me, it's more been the fact that the performances have been so poor and pretty much everything they did well last season they've not done well this year you know and to be honest even the games that they were winning early on they were scrappy really do you know what i mean And they, yeah. i think they only beat bulk and one 0 on the first day when everyone was expecting a bit of a hammering really there you know even against first it wasn't that comfortable and most teams mm-hmm. have been running rings around for let's be honest. You know, I think they were only 1-0 up until the last few minutes in that game when they got a second to make it 2-0. Just the performances haven't in, impressed at all. I've got to be honest, so in Van Bommel's defence, he did lose Savas Schlager very, very early on to quite a bad injury against Hertha Berlin. Yeah. And like, for me, he is their key, probably their best player in all honesty. They've got a lot of good players, but he's the, he's that box-to-box midfielder that every Bundesliga team needs, really. You know, with a league like the Bundesliga, you need that box to box midfielder, and that was what Zabash Schlager was. I don't think um, the, the replacement did particularly well. Joshua Giverlegoi, or yeah, my pronunciation is probably not too good on that name, yeah. but he didn't really impress very much for me. Obviously, Schlager's replacement in the starting lineup. I just think, yeah, it was just... uh, Obviously, for me, another big problem was the form of Lacroix and Castiles. I mean, I think they made it into just about every single person's uh, team of the season last year. For Mm me... Castils was the best goalkeeper of the season by a country mile last year in the Bundesliga. This year, the bloke has just looked a car crash at times, you know I mean? He dropped one into the net against uh, Union Berlin last week that he should have been saving easily. This week he was lucky not to give a penalty away for a rash challenge on the yeah. Freiburg forward. He's it, a guy that just looked like he didn't trust his defence and this time last year, nobody would have believed that someone would have said you wouldn't have trusted this Wolfsburg defence, you know. I mean, Lacroix has just not had a good season who knows, maybe he wanted a move because obviously he was linked away. Maybe it was a case that, you know, he felt Mm -hmm. as though he deserved a move and he's not really put it all in this season. I mean, he's had a red card. He's had... He's just not been very good, really, Lacroix. And, I mean, yeah. obviously, that partnership, Brooks and Lacroix, was so, so good for long periods, you know, last season, for pretty much the whole season. And I think also on top of that, even just to add insult to injury, obviously, is talisman Vald Vagos got COVID a couple of weeks ago as well. Yeah. And he's missed the last three games as well. So, I mean, it's just been an ill-fated reign, really, hasn't it? But, yeah. I mean, for me, it probably was the right decision to sack him because, I mean, the performances have just been such a... Kind of far cry from the excellent discipline performances of last season, really, for me.
0: Well, that's the that's the word, isn't it? Discipline, um, mm. particularly what we've seen in the Champions League. There have been, you know, there have been lots of red cards, haven't there, for, for Wolfsburg. Yeah. And As you said, the defence has gone missing. Um, obviously, in the first Champions League group game, uh, Brooks getting sent off with a silly handball for that second yellow card and things like that. So were they playing for the managers straight away? Um, you know, did, did they believe in in what Van Bommel was trying to sell them, basically, is what, what I'm getting at. Um, doesn't look like they were. And so, I mean, we could well see a completely different Wolfsburg um, next week or this weekend coming. Uh, obviously, we got the Pokal this week, tomorrow and Wednesday. Oh, they're not in it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. I, I do, do apologise to any Wolfsburg fan. and not mocking you there. I genuinely had forgot. Um mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, uh, like you say, ill-fated tenure. Uh, It's not going to help him in terms of his career and in terms of getting another job anytime soon, either, is it? Um, uh, And for the club, um, you know, realistically, they can just try and rescue their season now. I'm sure it's still early enough to do so. But, yeah, very interesting stuff. Uh, First, obviously, first club to pull the trigger uh, on a manager or a head coach this season. So, I think it was I think it was about fair enough to, to do so. So very interesting to see where Von Bommel goes and how Wolfsburg goes as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in. You know, I think obviously the Wolfsburg faithful, they're going to want someone a little bit more high profile, let's be honest. Because, I mean, I I think we were all a little bit surprised that they did go in for Van Bommel, really. You know, I mean, his CV is far from impressive, really. As, As Rory said, he didn't manage to win a trophy with PSV, even though they're like one of the absolute big boys really in Holland aren't they? Yeah. I mean then there's only other real job was UAE I mean yeah, yeah you know what I mean that that just screams of being just a payday job really let's be honest you know what I mean I can't see yeah. how a manager can really improve their credentials by going over there really you mm-hmm. know what I mean with all due respect you know what I mean yep. it's uh so yeah I mean let's hope that they get a manager that the club deserves really and some of those players with all due respect to Mark Van Bommel you know was a great player but his management and credentials are somewhat questionable so far. Okay. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Go
0: on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think that, that pretty much quite nicely rounds things up uh, for obviously this week's show, doesn't it? Um very good to talk. Um, kind of trending news. So obviously Van Bommel. We've gone through our top four as per usual. So yeah, it's been another good show. Uh, enjoying the. Let us know, obviously, if you're enjoying the new the new format of the show. Obviously, if you stumbled across the show on Twitter, um, you know, drop drop us a like, drop us a retweet. uh, And of course, you know, all the other bits and bobs. Let us know uh, any feedback that uh, that you want about the show lots of uh, exciting things coming this week in particular uh for the channel uh in general and hopefully our show and of course the league one and league two show so do keep your eyes peeled on twitter and everywhere else um, as we'll be posting information about that this coming week so yeah lots of exciting things to uh to follow uh so yeah mark do you want to close the show
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So remember to check out our uh, Twitter feed, which is at over the bar FB and uh, at over the bar extra. Remember to check out our main page, which is obviously otbfootball.net. Um, yeah. And don't forget to subscribe, like and comment. Yeah, it was great to see. We actually had quite a a good number of people watching live at the peak there today. So, yeah, let's hope that continues. And, yeah, share it with your friends if you enjoyed it. And don't uh, don't forget to leave us a comment next week if you join us again at the same time. So, yeah, thanks a lot for joining and see you on Thursday for the predictions and fantasy football. See you then.